0: Well, good morning and welcome to Fellowship Bible Church. We are so glad that you are here to worship with us. We stand at the beginning of a new year. and My prayer is that our song would be that Christ would be magnified in our lives. If you stand,
1: would you sing? Let's lift this up together. Creation suddenly articulate With a thousand tongues to lift one And from north to south
0: prayer this morning that Christ would be magnified in our lives, that He'd be glorified in this place this morning. So we offer you all the honor and glory due into your name. offer you this time. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
2: I think it's really important, especially now in the times that we're living in, to find a way to meet with other women, whether it's one person or two to have these spiritual conversations and to figure out where we are and share things with each other and encourage each other and pray for each other. And we can so isolate ourselves. And I have a tendency to isolate myself from other people with personal things, but the spiritual conversations that I've had with these ladies and that we can dig in scripture together and get answers. It's just been amazing and it's helped me grow a lot. It's just so uplifting to be able to have that support and to have someone that you can go through this time with that you feel like you can share anything. It's during spiritual conversations that God often does His most impactful work. We connect with each other and end up connecting more deeply with Him. When there's just two or three of us, it's not intimidating to ask questions, express our doubts, or share our struggles and victories. It's in these conversations that we get to know each other better and encourage one another. What would it look like if, for four weeks, you met with another woman, or maybe a few, over coffee or on a walk to engage in a weekly conversation? We'd provide you with a scripture focus and questions to get you started. All you need to do is invite a new or old friend to join you. What a great way to start the new year! Having conversations that will help you connect with the heart of a friend and lead you to connect more deeply with the heart of God.
3: Happy New Year! We made it! We made it! Never before have I been so excited for a new year. It's time. 2021 is here, and it's going to be a great year. Um, we have a passion to help you get connected at Fellowship, and one of the ways we're doing that, ladies, is through this Connecting Conversations, and I encourage you to check that out. It's a great way to connect with other ladies. It's a great way to connect with the Lord. We're talking about just going for a walk with a couple ladies, downloading the material, go for a walk, talk about it, um, FaceTime together, have coffee together. We want to help you get connected, and that's just one of the ways we have Uh, on the website to help you do that. We want to help you get connected. Speaking of connection, if you're new, we'd love to help you get connected, whether online or here in person. And you can do that by just scanning that QR code, going to I'm new, fill out the information, and we will follow up with you and help you get connected here at Fellowship. If you're here physically in person, you can also ask one of the folks with the the orange lanyard, and we'll get you connected, answer any questions you have. We're so excited. And we are in a time of flexible, we ask everybody to be flexible. And so, but as we're launching community groups, as we're launching our Discover Fellowship, which is our church membership. You can find out more information about that and through the QR code as well. We would love the opportunity to help you get connected here. Hey, I think you're in for a treat this morning. You see, we have another ministry taking over our service. Last week, Celebrate Recovery took over our service. And if you didn't see that service, I encourage you to, to watch it online. It was very encouraging and challenging. And this morning, we have our global outreach ministry taking over our service. And I think you're going to be blessed. You're going to be challenged. It's really encouraging. And we're doing this as a reminder to, to, to you and to us that we are a church on mission. We are a church that, that hopes to be used by God to change the heart and the soul both here in Northwest Arkansas and all over the world, and we have a plan to do that. It's to produce and release spiritual leaders, you and, and me, th- those of us on stage and those of us out here and those online who not only know Christ, but who can express Christ here near and abroad, and that's, that's the heartbeat, and, and that's what our global outreach ministry does, and that's what we do here. We do it through small groups. We do it through families. We do it through, through you people, and so we're super excited about this morning. This works its way out basically this way, locally and globally. Uh, locally, we, we partner not only with ministries inside our church, but also outside our church. And I want to highlight three of those for you this morning. Um, the first one is Samaritan Community Center. Many of you are very familiar with Samaritan Community Center. Ever since it started, which it started out of a fellowship community group, now it's its own organization, and they do an incredible job at serving the underserved in Northwest Arkansas. And I know a number of you volunteer there and they need volunteers right now. And, and you can volunteer there or get more information just by going to that QR code, go to Fellowship News. You'll get connected with, with serving there. But they do an incredible job. Matter of fact, during COVID-19, they uh, they ministered and gave out tons of food to the to the to those who are food insecure. And so we just appreciate them so much and wanna serve there. And then the second one is our one-to-one ministry. And it's, it's not necessarily a ministry to those with special needs. It's actually a ministry... Through those with special needs that we wanted, we are seeing them. Uh, equipped and raised up to be spiritual leaders. And it's really incredible and fun to watch. It's actually a model ministry for other churches and, and they're doing an incredible job. And then lastly, and probably our newest ministry, is a ministry to the deaf community. In the same way, we, wanna, we want that ministry to be a ministry that equips and releases spiritual leaders. Uh, matter of fact, you'll see on Sunday mornings in our 9.30 service, we have Cindy right over here and she's, she's interpreting for us. Matter of fact, this is probably really odd, Cindy, for you to be interpreting what I'm saying about you, Right? Anyway, we'll keep going with it. But, uh, but every, and we, we video her and, and she's online as well for those who need that interpretation. This last year, um, we had our first uh, interpreted uh, ASL discover membership class and it's really cool to see part, members from our deaf community go through our membership class and so we're super excited about that you'll hear more about that later on in the service so not only locally but we also have global lots of global things going on and you're going to hear about that from brian pope this morning but i want to tell you about two things globally going on that start right here the first one is the village Many of you know about the village. You've heard about the village. It's actually on this campus, in the back of the campus. And it's where our global workers can come back to the United States. They can live for an extended period of time. It's basically a home away from their mission post if that makes sense to you. So there, as they're home on sabbatical, as they're home raising support, they've got a place to live. And so we're super excited that they have a place to come back to. And fellowship, thank you for your generosity as you have served these families through making the village possible. And then the second thing, our internationals, both workers that are here um, through the technology industry, and through global, global industry, that there are tons of people from around the world, you're gonna hear about that more in just a little while, are at our doorstep. And not only workers, but also international students. I think Brian said 1,200 international students come to the U of A each year. And many of you are friendship families to them. And so lots of opportunity with the world at our doorstep to reach out. And so we have one of those students with us here this morning. I have Rinalda Proko, did I say that right? I, ro- I rolled my R, right? Ronald? And Ronaldo's here, and she's from Albania, and she's going to lead our time into worship this morning through the scripture. So would you read for us? Yeah, Thanks. thank
4: you. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I'll make you into a great nation, and I'll bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be blessed. And I'll bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Revelation 7, 9. Past I Nishumits, the Made numeronte. the me palm the door. Just pause for a moment, maybe close your
0: eyes. Just imagine that picture around the throne, people of every tribe, every nation, and every tongue glorifying the one true God, the same God that we worship in this place this morning. May He receive all honor and glory due unto His name. Father, we pray that you bless this time that we have together, time of celebration and singing of your love for the whole world. In a time of reflecting on the power of Christ and his resurrection, his victory over sin and death. May you be glorified in the praises of your people in this place. Would you stand with us? Let's celebrate together.
5: Snow. praise God.
0: shall not perish but have everlasting life oh what love it is that christ has shown us paul writes about it in romans 5 you see at just the right time when we were still powerless christ died for the ungodly very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Rest in that this morning as we continue to sing the gospel message of our Savior. We thank you for your word and pray this morning as Brian comes to teach, God, that you'd give us ears to hear what you have to say to us. Help us to walk by your spirit and humble our lives before you. We pray this in Jesus name, amen,
6: you may be seated. Good morning fellowship. Happy new year. Hey, was that not awesome? Was that not awesome? Hey, can I give a special thanks to our friend Rinalda here who came and read the scripture? All the way from Albania. I mean, every time I hear somebody like speaking in another language, I don't know, I'm just a big nerd. It's just like, this is so awesome. I feel like I'm in a movie. It was incredible. And I got my friend Anu here. Anu is kind of hard to pin down where Anu's from. He holds passports from three different countries. Nigeria, UK, American. Do you claim them all or do you not claim any of them? I don't know which. Zero. Okay. (laughs) But uh, he actually said, uh, he heard about the service. He's from Little Rock. And he says, I will move heaven and earth to be a part of that service. So we are so thankful um, that they're here with us this morning. And it's not by accident that they're here. Uh, We believe that they represent the diversity of the church Uh, we also believe that they really represent what God is doing in the world and God's grand plan that we see throughout all of scripture. Hey, my name is Brian Pope. I'm the Global Outreach Director. Uh, When they called and said, hey, we're doing this new series. It's called Ministry Takeover. I was so excited. I said, yes, I'll take eight Sundays. That will be great. And they said, "Now you got one. Uh, so I'm here. So I'm going to try to cram everything into one service. I want to communicate about what God is doing in the world. And I'm going to start off. I can't teach without a prop. If you know me, got to have a prop. And a couple of years ago, I was reading through First Timothy and I came across a description that Paul gave for the church. And it's become one of my favorite descriptions. And he says this, he says, if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. Now, first of all, I love that description right there. We can stop because it is saying that the church is meant to be a family, that if you are a follower of Christ, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And not only that, that we are children of God. Isn't that incredible? And so we are a part of God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar of and foundation of the truth, and that description just really stuck out to me, because what is a pillar? A pillar is something that supports and holds up something, and what does the church hold up? Well, it holds up the truth, and what is the truth that Paul is talking about here? Well, right after this, he breaks into a hymn where he describes Jesus Christ, the ultimate truth, And so we as a church, and I'm not talking about the church building, but we as the church, the people of the church who make up the body of the church, what is our role as we go out, as we leave these doors, that we are the church to the community, that in the place that you work, in the schools that you attend, in the neighborhoods that you live, in your families, we support and we point people to the ultimate truth, which is Jesus Christ. Amen? 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 Can we agree to that? That's incredible. That's awesome. But what about places in the world where there are no pillars? And again, I'm not talking about church buildings. I'm talking about places where there are no known believers. Nobody who's a follower of Christ. And so how many people are we talking about that, that live in a situation like that? I'm not just talking about that there's not known, known believers. I'm talking about if somebody like woke up and wanted to know about Christ, they wouldn't even know anybody who knows anybody who could point them to Christ. I'm talking about they there's a good chance that they wouldn't have a Bible that they could go to and read God's word in their language. That they wouldn't have a place to go to, to see and to seek out the truth. We have in missions, we have a term for this. It's called an unreached people group. An identifiable group of people distinguished by a distinct culture, language, or social class who lack a community of Christians able to evangelize the rest of the people group without outside help. So it's groups of people. We're not just talking about countries or nations. We're talking about groups of people with their own culture, with their own language, with their own way of doing things. And within inside those groups, there's no known believers That is an unreached people group. Like I said earlier, how many people are we talking about? Sadly, today in the world, over 3 billion people living today fall into that category. It is estimated on the conservative end that 44,000 people who fall into this category will die every day without hearing the gospel message. On the high end, it's 70,000 people will die every day without ever hearing the gospel message. To put that in perspective, think about Razorback Stadium, almost filled to capacity. And every day, that many people are perishing without hearing the gospel message. To give another illustration and one that we can all relate to because we can look out and see right now everybody has a mask on. We are living during a global pandemic that is infecting or affecting the entire world. That's the bad news. The good news is that there's been a vaccine that's been developed. Right. And, And we would probably all agree like, hey, we want everybody who wants it to receive that vaccine. Like everybody should get that vaccine. But we also know logically right now there's not enough vaccines to go around. So what do we do? We think about, okay, what are the areas or who are the people that need it most right now? Well, it's the elderly. It's people with pre-existing conditions. It's the frontline workers. And so we can agree and say, okay, let's get the vaccine to those people first. And it makes sense to us. It's logical. That's the greatest need. And you would think in the missions world that the greatest need is to take the gospel and use the resources to go to the places where 70,000 people are perishing each day without even hearing the gospel message. I'm not talking about just responding to the gospel message. I'm talking about without even hearing the gospel message. But here's the reality. Missionaries sent out from the United States, about 3.3% go to the unreached. Which means that 97% go to places that already have Bibles, that already have churches, that already have believers in there. And I'm not saying that there's not a need for that. I'm just trying to say that there is a great imbalance. And when you look at the money, that's given and that's specifically set aside for missions, only 1% of that goes to these areas of unreached. And by the way, not only do I think that there's this great imbalance and that there needs to be a shift towards reaching the unreached, I also think it's a part of God's great grand story and plan that we see throughout Scripture from beginning to the end. And so this morning, I want to just try to really quickly just unpack some of that for you. And I'm going to go fast. I apologize to our interpreters over here. They're going to be working overtime uh, as we go through some of this. But I want to hit some of the highlights. And I believe that the enemy is so good that that he's blinding us. Uh, From seeing it. And I I was a believer for a long time before I began to see this all laid out through Scripture. And once you see it, it is just so cool. You see it everywhere. But the enemy often just hides it from us. But then if you can just begin to see it, it becomes so clear and it just becomes this huge story that we see in Scripture. So starting at the very beginning, if if you've taken our Panorama class, which I highly suggest that you're doing, Panorama of the Bible, Is that you know that the the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1 through 11, is the prologue. And the prologue is a section of any book that sets up the rest of the story, it sets up the rest of the narrative. And within that prologue, there's three major events that happen there's the fall, where man creates, you know, we commit the first sin, and we're, we're separated from God because of our sin. There's the flood, where man just becomes so evil that God just cleanses the earth, except for a select few. And then there's the tower, the fall, the flood, and the tower. Now, what's interesting in each of these three things, you see man's evilness, you see God's judgment or punishment, but you also see God's grace and his response and answer to each of those. So after the fall, when they eat the apple, you see God quickly say that he's going to be sending somebody, and that's going to be alluding to Christ. That's going to ultimately crush the enemy which is Satan. After the flood, you see the rainbow and you see this covenant made that God says, man, I'm never gonna do this again. And so what does he do? It's kind of harder to see. What does he do at the tower? And let's take a look. Genesis 11, four says this. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Now, why is this so bad of what they did? Well, a commandment is given in Genesis 9. Matter of fact, we see it several times in Genesis 1 through 11 that God tells man, he gives him this command. He says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Why fill the earth? Because we are created to be image bearers of God. And so all over the world, he wanted to spread image bearers pillars of truth that kind of pointed to God. And so what man did is they, they, they came together and said, man, we're gonna do the exact opposite of what we've just been commanded. We're gonna make a name for ourselves. We're not gonna point people to God. We're gonna point people to us. We wanna be the ones to receive the glory. And we're not gonna fill the earth. And so God's response, he said, okay, so the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it's called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them all over the face of the earth. So in one moment, God again looked at the evil man and says, okay, My will will be accomplished. And he scatters them. And not only does he scatter them all over the face of the earth, but he gives them all a new language. And that's where we come up with the term Babel. What's interesting at Pentecost that we see in the book of Acts, there's two miracles that happen that day. The first miracle is that 3,000 people come to know the Lord. And I believe that's a miracle because we are actually spiritually dead people, spiritually dead. And it means that we've become alive in Christ. We've become new creations. That's the first miracle. The second miracle is that everybody understood the message, even though they are from multiple languages and multiple countries. And so what was happening is a reversal of what was happening here. So let's go to the uh, let's go to God's response to his punishment. And it's kind of hidden because in uh, the previous verse that I read, we get to the, one of those genealogical parts of the Bible, you know, the parts where it's just a bunch of names that we don't know and we just kind of yawn and we're like, oh, what is this in here? But God's grace comes if you turn the page over to the next chapter, Genesis 12, one through three. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. What happened right before this? The scattering. What happens right after this? God chooses somebody and he says, hey, through you, all those families, all those that were scattered across the earth will be blessed. Now, this is not some type of just universal that in the end, everybody comes to know the Lord, but there's gonna be somebody from each of those families represented around the throne. Now, let's turn to the very end of scripture. Scripture. Revelation 7, 9, and after these things I look, John is saying, and some versions of the, uh, of the Bible says he lifts his eyes. Matter of fact, we rarely read this with enough passion of what's going on right here. He says this, after these things I looked and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count from every nation and all the tribes and the peoples and the tongues, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches, were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And why this is so exciting is because it's looking into the future and it's saying, God wins, God wins, God wins. What he set out to do thousands of years ago in Genesis 12, by choosing one person, he wins in the end, his will will be accomplished. And so if I was to summarize scripture or the main theme of scripture that I see woven all over the place, that God says in Genesis 12, hey, I'm gonna choose you and through you all The families will be blessed. And guess what? I'm not gonna stop, and I'm not gonna end until we reach every one of them, all to every. And by the way, this is not something that just happens at the beginning of the book, and then you get to the end, and you're like, okay. uh, Oh, yeah, we forgot about that. There's this big, middle, messy section where we don't really know what's going on. No, it's all throughout Scripture. Matter of fact, a couple months ago, I was talking with a friend of mine, uh, a dad, and, and he was going through this children's Bible. Uh, this was years ago. He was going through this children's Bible uh, with his kids, and they came to the story of David and Goliath. And what I think happens so many times is that we read our own meanings into the stories. And this was actually a really theologically correct uh, children's Bible, but they read this first part, It says this, this day, the Lord will deliver you up into my hands. This is David talking to Goliath. And I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give you the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beast of the earth. And so as a family, they began to act this out and he created different roles. And of course, the dad was Goliath. And he comes out and he's, oh, and his young son is there. And throws and hits him in the head and he falls over dead and he like gets back up and he says, okay, y'all sit down. And he goes, the meaning of this story is that if there's giants that you're facing in your life, have enough faith and God will defeat those for you. And then he went and he opened up the Bible. And this is what he read. that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And he said to him, he's like, wait. Was this the point of the story? That all the earth may know? And it began a personal journey for him as he began to reread through scripture and reread even some of the most popular stories in scripture and began to seek out what is the true meaning behind these stories. And see, I think we get caught by filling in our own blanks. I remember I failed this when I was shown this. Can y'all finish the verse? Be still and what? And know that I am God. And I remember being shown this and I patted myself on the back and I was like, man, I know this one. I know this one. But that's not the rest of the verse. It's only part of it. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. And there's probably so many of us, we've gone to Hobby Lobby, we've bought this cool wooden frame, we've put it over our mantle, and it says, Be still, know that I am God. Why do we stop it there? Why do we stop it? And what God is saying, he's saying, be still and know that my will will be accomplished and I will be known among all the nations. And I challenge you, go back, reread some of these stories. You know when Moses received the 10 commandments that God says, he says, hey, teach the country to obey this because the other nations are gonna look at the way that you're living and say, hey, this is a different nation. Who is the God that they serve? Do you know that when Solomon dedicated the temple after they got done constructing the temple, when he dedicated, he said this prayer and it's a crazy prayer. He actually prayed to God. He says, foreigners are going to come from all these different nations. They're going to come to this place and they're going to pray. And God, I'm asking you to answer their prayers. So when those prayers are answered, they will leave here and say there's one true God. Do you know when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fire, that Nebuchadnezzar wrote a decree saying that all the countries and all the nations that were under his command, he says, he, just, he pointed to the glory of God and what he had done. Daniel and the lions den, but King Darius, same thing when he was pulled from that, pointed to the glory of God. We get to the prophets And I love this. Isaiah writes down, he says, he said to me, you are my servant Israel in whom I will show my glory. And we see in scripture over and over again that Israel stops there and says, yep, we're special people. We're a special people. Yep. You know what the rest of it says? And I love this. He says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nation so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. He is saying, Israel, your dream is too small. It's not about just you. And I think personally in here, we need to have the same message with us. Is that so many of us are just dreaming too small. That God may have a huge plan for your life to be a light to the nations. Can I say that again without, with removing one word should? That God has a huge plan for your life. That you will be a light to the nations. We even get to the last book of the Old Testament. For the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. and In every place, incense is going to be offered to my name and a grain offering that is pure for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. So even when we come to the last book of the Old Testament, God is reminding them saying, hey, It's about the nations, it's about the nations. My name will be great among all the nations. It's not just you, Israel. It's not just you. And then we come to a character you may have heard of, a guy named Jesus. Does he do the same thing? And man, it's all throughout the Gospels. But I wanna highlight one story. It's one of my favorites to talk about. When in the life of Jesus, does he not act like Jesus? And and what I mean by that is we always see that, that people feel comfortable approaching and coming to Jesus. Even the most sinful people feel comfortable approaching and coming to Jesus. But when was the time that Jesus wasn't acting like Jesus? When he was chasing people away, right? When he was turning over tables, where people were running in fear. Oh my gosh, Why was Jesus so fired up to cleanse the temple? See it in scripture. And he began to teach them and say to them, is it not written for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a robber's den. Here's a map of the temple. That inner part, that inner structure, was there for just the Jews to go into and be able to pray. But still a part of the temple, this huge section, was the court of the Gentiles. That meant the biggest section of the temple was a place that the nation's non-Jewish people could come in and pray to God. And this is where they set up all their tables to sell the offerings, meaning, that the nations had no place to come and pray to God. And Jesus said, no, it's not gonna be this way. And that was the cleansing of the table to invite the nations back in to have a place to pray. And Jesus says, again, all throughout the New Testament or the Gospels, and he says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and then the end will come. That Jesus kind of sets up like a finish line. He says something has to happen before we cross that finish line and what has to happen? Well, the gospel message or the gospel of the kingdom needs to be uh, preached to all the nations. And then the one that we're probably the most familiar with, the Greek commission Go, therefore, make disciples of all the, all the nations, which actually that's translated ta ethne, which means ethnic group, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You know what's interesting? This is the, the last commandment given out in the book of Matthew to go to the nations. Do you know who were the first people to worship Jesus? In the book of Matthew, we just got done with the Christmas season. First people to worship Jesus were the Magi, the people from the nations coming from the outside to come and to worship baby Jesus. And at the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus tells his disciples, Now go to the nations. Does anybody know what our mission statement is? To produce and release spiritual leaders who know and express the authentic Christ to Northwest Arkansas. Did I leave something out? That's not the whole thing. To Northwest Arkansas and the world. Let's not cut it short. Who would do this? Who would leave here, man, to go to another country? And before they even go to another country, they got to be trained, and they uh, they got to raise support, and uh, they got to move somewhere that's totally foreign to them. And, and not only that, they got to spend two to three years just learning the language before they can even probably know it well enough to communicate the gospel. And not only that, the places that we go are considered closed countries. And what that means is you can't go in there on a missionary visa, so you have to set up a legitimate reason to be there. And so we set up real businesses. We don't set up fake businesses because we're not gonna do deception to convey the truth. So we try to set up real businesses in these countries. I mean, I think it's one of the most complicated things that you could possibly do. I mean, who would even sign up to do that? Take a look at this.
2: I'm Whitney Simon and we're missionaries with Dora International and we focus on Deaf Bible translation globally.
3: I'm Jared Robinson and this is my wife Dina Robinson and we're gonna be...
0: Hi Fellowship, we are the Goods. I'm
3: Andrew. I'm
2: Rebecca and this is Lennon.
0: We are Global Workers in Southeast Asia. I'm
2: Martha and this is my husband Daniel. We work as missionaries.
0: We are Eric and Beth. And this is our family. Hey, I'm so Joe Berlingame. I just graduated from My name is Austin Kuklinski. I'm originally from Kansas City, Missouri, and I graduated- from Hey, I'm University Scott. I graduated from the University of Arkansas. I'm from Dallas. Hi, my Dallas. name is Zach,
3: and I, along with my wife- I'm Kimmy,
4: Abby, and, daughter, and Shire, I'm 23 and years I'm old, so and I moved here. I'm
0: Jack. I'm a senior at the University of Arkansas. Hi,
4: my name is Daisy. I'm a senior at the U of A, majoring in my and I'm planning to And I graduated from the University of Arkansas in Maine. Hey, we're
2: Bobby and
3: Beth Stottle, and we are global workers sent with Fellowship Bible Church. So the Unreached is a place that there are no local churches. There are no local believers. These are people that don't know who Jesus is or don't know the truth about who Jesus is and what he has done for them. We want to focus on the unreached people groups
0: because God says in Matthew 24, 14, we want to see all nations come to know the Lord. Here in the US, we have access to Bible, to church, to other believers. Um, And, you know, we realized 20 years ago as we were growing in our faith that there are places all around the world where Jesus is not yet known.
2: Why we're motivated to reach the dead is because there are 70 million deaf worldwide and only 2% know Jesus. There are places around the world where no one knows that God exists. And even if they had the slightest curiosity about Jesus in their heart, they don't have the opportunity to find out who he is. They don't know someone who knows someone and they don't know of a church in the area that they could go to. And I think every time that I think about that, it breaks my heart.
0: From there, I started reading God's Word and I began to see that the overarching theme of the Bible is God's desire for all people to know Him, love Him, and worship Him.
3: We see it in the Bible as our job to take the gospel to people who haven't heard it for the praise and the glory
4: of God. And the more I began to study the scriptures, I just saw um, how much the nations was talked about. And the more I read it, my Bible just became like a coloring book of um, the nations and God's heart for all peoples. We read in Revelation 7, 9,
2: that every tongue, tribe, and nation will be around the throne. And there are thousands of people, groups that don't have access to the gospel, and that breaks our heart.
0: I think we also realized that the gospel wasn't just for us and our our own lives here, Um, it was to be reproduced. It was for the people that haven't yet heard and don't have
4: access to it. And right now I'm just in season of prayerfully considering what that would look like for me to go and um, if that looks like going to the unreached or if that looks like mobilizing and sending um, people here.
2: So my next step is going to receive 10 months of training um, over language acquisition, uh, cross-cultural church planning
0: methods, and growth in what it really means to suffer for the name of Christ. There's only one completed sign language Bible translation in the world, and that is for American Sign Language. It was only completed two months ago. Uh, so only two months ago, there was no completed Bible translation for deaf people anywhere in the world. Um, so we just really want Columbia to be um, the second one.
2: Our ultimate goal is to see a church planted among the unreached in Central Asia. We want to see a multiplying
0: movement of churches
2: planted among the unreached. To see churches planted... To
0: see a church planted... Uh, my goal is to see a church planted among is the Is to raise, raise up laborers world. who will
3: take the gospel further and further to the
0: We unreached. want to see a church planted among the unreached. <laughs> the goal is to see a
2: healthy church planted among the unreached. My passion is to see churches planted among my the goal goal unreached. My goal is to see a church planted among the unreached. So our vision is to see God glorified and lives transformed through disciples who make disciples and churches who plant churches in the places where it has not yet happened.
6: Is that not awesome? I mean, we are blessed to have people like that in our body. And hey, it always comes to this point where people say, okay, Pope, what are you telling me? If I don't sell off everything and pack up and move my family to a foreign country, am I living in disobedience? And I think Paul addresses this very clearly. In Romans 10, 14 through 15, he says, how then can they call on the one They have not believed in, and how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Two things I want to highlight in there. Yes, that somebody has to go and somebody has to preach, but they have to be sent. And what I'm saying is not everybody needs to go, but I think everybody needs to become passionate and playing a part. To either be a sender or a goer, and I wanna send our people well. There's a famous World War I general who said, infantry wins battles, but logistics wins wars. And if we could become a body that sends our people well and gives them everything that they need to see the mission accomplished. So practically, what can we do? If you take away nothing from this talk, this is what I want you to take away. I would love everybody in here to become personally passionate about the Great Commission and every aspect of it. Don't remove the word nations and say that's for somebody else. That's for all of us. Get to know, support, pray, and follow the ongoing work of one of our global workers. I'm not saying all of them, man, choose one. We just showed you about 20. We have 92. Choose one that you can get behind and that you can pray and you can receive the updates, you can financially support and help, that you can welcome when they come back home, that you can care and love for them and let them know that they're not alone. We've talked about this. Three, befriend an international person from your university the one who's living in your community. Like was said earlier, 1,200 internationals are coming to the University of Arkansas every year, many of them from these unreached places. In Rogers and Bentonville, there's estimated that there's 6,000 people from India living now in those communities. India has more unreached people groups than any other nation. And God's bringing them to us. Man, begin to reach out. This picture was taken last year. Don't worry, it's pre-COVID. But it was a party that we just threw for internationals at the U of A. I think we had over 112 people there, but even more exciting, we had 28 nations represented in one house. And what they get to see, they get to see pillars of truth befriending them. And finally this, we just kinda did a flyover. If you really wanna see this theme woven through through the scriptures, I encourage you to take a class called Perspective. It's not just fellowship doing it, but multiple churches doing it. It starts in a couple weeks. I encourage you, it's gonna be a challenge. It's tough. And I'm not gonna promise you that it'll change your life, but I will promise it will change the way that you read your Bible. I really encourage you to sign up for this. Hey, I told you earlier about the story about the dad teaching his children, David and Goliath, and seeing that the nations was woven into all these stories. Well, him and his family just started taking steps of obedience They just began to search that out. And today, along with another family, they're serving in West Africa in one of these unreached places. They haven't even been there that long, but currently, right now, they have 13 different groups studying the Word of God. we have never studied it before. And they know about at least three of them have come into a personal relationship with Christ. And it's happening. And it's happening because of your support. Let's pray. God, you invite us to be a part of this grand story. Let us not say it's for somebody else. Let us all become involved. In your name I pray, amen.
0: Would you stand with us once again? Let's sing that Jesus is the one who makes a way, that he is the light in the darkness. We worship him today. a great light we thank you for your coming we thank you for your sacrifice we thank you for the promise that you are coming again in glory we long for that day but until you come may we live for you fulfilling the great commission as we walk by the power of your Holy Spirit we glorify you and as we leave this place would you fill us up and send us out with the good news we love you all for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us, fellowship. If you like prayer this morning, our prayer room is open. Go in peace and love of Christ this week.